kids officials sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos twist your mental life forbidden peace to the public and power to the people I ain't scared of you podcast listeners it's a little Bernie Mac for you in the space where the vulnerable are powerful and where the most gangster thing you can do is serve this is the all the way live podcast this is indeed the all the way live show more than a podcast we dropping that name from this show we ain't just a podcast man we're more than that this is a space of curated conversation we do this on a weekly basis my brother miles xavier oh man how, how could i even forget to play some of this background music that we got hold on let me get this let me get this session a whole lot more wavy let's, let's go ahead and make it more wavy oh there we go there we go just like that hey guys this is your boy swear coming in <laughs> from the all the way live show with my brother miles xavier this is a space of carefully curated conversation for your cranium we take impact we take art we take information and we mash it all together every single week for specialized viewing all for the purpose of one thing and one thing mainly and that is to be a place of positive energy we really do cultivate uh the best of ourselves and bring that energy over here with our producer miles and i um and we do it so that man people can come through drink a bit of this energy drink a bit of this information take in some of this art and then be able to go about their week because we know that depression is at an all-time high we know suicide is at an all-time high rest in peace to jack knight um we know that loneliness is at an all-time high too and so what we bring to you on this show is a space that is an escape from that and we do it on a weekly basis that's right my we cannot go on continue and nothing without this show so i appreciate you being in conversation with us brother Zway. i appreciate y'all out there y'all already know exeter is in the building by way of johannesburg that's my brother uh and hassan holding it down for that side and on this side this podcast is recorded on stolen land right this land here in chicago was cared for by the potawami people the council of the three fires and the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in the city today, this country today, and this world today. Never more important than this week even to have this land acknowledgement uh, as we get into some issues related to this land, related to climate change, related to the way that we treat the world. Uh, and so it's important to be thinking about how we treat the world, uh, and I hope the world is treating y'all all right. That's how we end the intro every week, by lifting up love for indigenous people the world over, by lifting up love for black and brown people the world over. Let's get into the show. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Still very much up in this day, man. The space with impact and art meet shout out to my brother chiller who's in the comment section this show is continuously growing this is continuously growing miles xavier right now you sound like you are um in the middle of a construction site yeah you know we building over here right <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor <laughs> you feel me <laughs> nah we got construction going on in the background hey man sometimes you can't help uh, you know, what's going on around you in the environment. Nevertheless, we, we come here to carefully curate this content for y'all. Please excuse the background noise. Uh, but I am taking it as that we build it. So part of the building is building the community that makes up the Live House family, man. We highlight people that are doing impact. We highlight people that are doing art. Last week, we bought you the goodie room, the fellas at the goodie room. Um, for that, the week before that, we've been highlighting all sorts of folks who are deep within the community and within the art space. Miles is an esteemed activist and community organizer out of the South Side of Chicago. I myself am the same a community organizer and an activist, and we dedicate our lives to making an impact in the societies that circle us. We run a foundation, we're constantly giving our laptops to kids. Um, shout out to Chilo, who's also leading us in being able to deliver some new laptops to some kids going into South Africa. This week ain't no different, Miles. What are we doing? Who are we highlighting? Man, this week we got to get into freedom and balance. 
uh, two tenants that I try to live by in my regular everyday life. So was very, uh, you know, positively delighted to find a collective that's taking that on as their their mantra, their title, uh, and really following through with their what they're providing in terms of content. Um, from what I can gather from what they've put out on socials, they're essentially a space for artists to come and collaborate. And what I really appreciate about this collective is there's like an emphasis on shared knowledge and shared learning, right? So workshops being put on by the same artists that might be uh, attending workshops being put on by other artists and just that exchange of knowledge is what I found really dope about what they got going on. Uh, what did you think when you checked them out? I think it very much speaks towards what we care most about, right? Which is new ways that we can discuss impact, new ways that we can form community. Um, one of the cool things that we saw was the cards that they had created. They created a, 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 a game out of cards, which is actually really fun and very engaging and asks all sorts of like really cool questions that allow for you to really think deeply past like just the normal things you would speak about in a game setting. Things like if you had to speak to your 18 year old self or to your younger self, what's something that you would give to them? What's something you would say to them? Shout out to our producer for also highlighting um, some of the events that they host together. So very much in line, young, black, artistic, talented, fly, and keeping at the forefront of an impact. What's not to love? No doubt, man, no doubt. And as I look at, you know, everything that they've been able to put together uh, in terms of gathering spaces and convenings, I'm really excited and encouraged by it. I've been trying to put some intention around uh, going out in ways that don't have so much to do with uh, food and drinking uh, because I'm broke, y'all. All right. So I ain't trying to spend no money on food and drinks. I'm trying to go out and have a good time without that stuff. Um, but in all seriousness, just also for like the sake of diversity of experience um, and just surrounding myself with people that like just a diverse group of people that have interests, you know, outside of going out to get faded and uh, going out to spend a lot of money just just to eat. Uh, not that those things ain't cool, but you know, like I said, diversity of experience. Speaking about going out this week, I had the pleasure of being able to spend a few days with our producer in his city in London. Um, you know, we, we really had a very, a very good time being able to check out a whole host of different underground uh, scenes and spaces where young creatives are congregating. And I really do get so encouraged when I'm seeing just how much young people are taking in control what they want their spaces to be able to reflect and who they want to be able to highlight instead of us now waiting like man i wish there was a space for this it seems to me like a lot more people are being like man i wish there was a space for this let's create it and it looks like that's what these guys are doing so next time we're in london there might be a dreadheaded gent and a light a low taper faded gent coming over to one of these freedom and balance sessions uh we support y'all we salute y'all yeah, that's fire. I, I hope that I get a chance to to make my way over there to experience that as well. The last thing I, I wanted to highlight about Freedom and Balance as well is one of their curriculums. Um, and a curric to be able to put a curriculum out online, really step-by-step -step instructions for people to take steps in their life that they want to take, right? Like, there's a this one is called You Sound Like Your Mother. Uh, and it's a deeper look into where family ends and where you begin. And it kind of like guides you through YouTube videos and these really dope visuals on like prompts to have to start conversations uh, with family members and, and loved ones. And so just the ways that um, information and means of education are being communicated now are really, really fire, right? Like I've thought about spending more time writing and it's been in the form of like articles or op-eds, but imagine you and I sitting together and writing a curriculum for, you know, black men to discuss uh, gender-based violence or to discuss what it's like to date in today's day and age or like even climate change or drugs, some of the things we're going to discuss on today's podcast, right? Like my, uh, my wheels are definitely, my, my gears is turning looking at what Freedom and Balance is doing. So shout out to them again. Shout out to them. And if we did have to write a curriculum, it would be about the modern dating experience, to which the title would be called, It's Wild Out Here. It's Wild Out Here. <laughs> that is the title of that curriculum. It's Wild Out Here, How to Stay Sane Amidst the Crazy. 
Big facts. Big facts. It's wild out here. Parentheses. For real, for real. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. Definitely, man. Hey, as always, we like to remind you guys that there's no such thing as a minimal as a as a minimum contribution required for impact. Impact and helping people doesn't have a a threshold where it starts to count. Even the smallest things, one dollar, half a dollar, all goes towards something good, man. So um, much like we highlighted freedom and balance, much like we keep highlighting on this show, is showing people who are taking what they have to make an impact in the ways that they can. Um, and we encourage you guys to do the same thing. And one of the places that you can do that is the Mandula Foundation website. Join us as we are giving away laptops, like we said. So if you have an extra laptop to be able to give out and a base within uh, the U.S., the U.K., or South Africa, please do reach out to us. If you have extra devices, we gain these kids the tools that they need to be the best versions of themselves. And you, too, can feel some of this endless uh, gratitude and fulfillment that we feel doing this work. Well said. Let's keep it pushing. Yeah, we gonna need all hands on deck for this one. Uh, this affects you, uh, cause it's hot. It's been hot here, over a hundred, multiple days this summer. I know it's been hot there. I know y'all saw the beads of sweat, YouTube audience, trickling down my brother's forehead a couple weeks back, as <laughs> as the UK experienced their heat wave. Uh, and the reality of it being hot um, has led us to the question of climate change. Mainly the question of how is this still a question? <laughs> and how worried should we be? And what we gonna do? Zway. Run. Now, fast, run. <laughs> is, what, is what we're gonna do. But you're absolutely right in the sense that, um, you know, there has been uh, record temperatures that have been going through. So if you've been in the U.S., and you've been in the UK, um, like my brother said, you saw the last episode, it was so hot. My glasses were sweating, man. It was one of those times. So over the last two weeks, what we've been seeing across uh, those places has been a huge flash of uh, heat that has been coming through. Um, undoubtedly, this heat is connected to the to the growing uh, climate change crisis. Um, so we, we did decide to do what we always do on this show, which is to do some research unpack the history of climate change, unpack where we are right now, the realities of it. Um, it's always interesting when we do these types of show, Miles, because sometimes we encounter topics and conversations that have, are being had ad nauseum, like climate change, but still being able to find some pretty cool, interesting things about it. And I think one of the things that people get conflicted about, myself included, is about how it impacts us right now um, what actually can be done and some of the misinformation around it. So when we talk about how it impacts us right now, being in the UK, it was hot as hell. It was hot as hell. And you could feel it, you know? And I know the same thing was in the US. Um, I'm pretty interested in what you were able to find out on your research journey on this topic. Yeah, so as I looked through the facts of climate change and through the recent um, examples and, and different circumstances, which seem to provide us like very tangible evidence of climate change. I wanted to, I tried to ground myself in remembering that when I first heard it, like of climate change, right? I heard it through school science class, right? I remember it was like definitely like some Bill Nye videos and my science teacher like, were legitimately explaining that because of the way that humans interact with the world, we produce waste and that waste changes the climate, right? So because it was presented to me in a scientific way, I don't ever remember questioning it, right? Uh, 
and 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 I don't ever remember feeling like it was something that was questioned as scientific fact until my uh, political awareness was raised, right? So as I'm thinking about what I uncovered, as I'm thinking about the heat waves that are happening in London, right? As I'm thinking about all over the globe, crop shortages and power outages and wildfires and uh, literally like plane runway tarmacs melting. I'm seeing this very much as evidence of this thing. And I'm trying to ground myself in that other people's experience might not have been that. Like, what would I, how would I be processing all of this if my parents or some other adult I respected introduced the idea of climate change to me as a hoax? So I tried to stay grounded in that. Because otherwise, I'm looking very, very, very side-eye at y'all for not having watched your Bill Nye, right? Like, we all grew up on Bill Nye. <laughs> we trusted him about gravity. <laughs> we trusted him about chemistry. We should probably trust him about this, right? Especially when places like India are experiencing temperatures of over 120 degrees. Mexico is having droughts, shortages of water. Um, and the UK is literally on fire with its hottest day ever on record and the destruction of over 41 homes. So I'm trying to be humble in this, but it's hard. Zoe, what did you find? What did you uncover? And how did it make you feel? And by the UK being on fire, no, we're not talking about the weekend that myself and Hassan had, although that was lit. That's not what we're speaking about. <laughs> what we are speaking about is, um, you're right, it's, it's um, the actual tangible now we're seeing the effects of climate change on us, and that's happening across the board. So in specific, what I wanted to look at, um, what I wanted to look at is the history of the climate change discussion. And part of when people are saying it's a hoax is they like to point out the fact that, hey, people have been talking about climate change for a long time. How long that is, um, the first iterations of the impact of global warming specifically came in 1824. Um, in 1824, there was a French scientist, uh, Joseph Uris, uh, who particularly said that, hey, y'all, um, carbon dioxide, uh, carbon dioxide, is raises heat when it engages with sunlight. It, it raises the temperature of heat. Funny enough, a few years after that, in 1857, there was a female scientist, uh, make sure that I get her name right, Eunice Foote. Eunice Foote in the US did an experiment where she trapped oxygen and then she trapped carbon dioxide and she put them out in the sun. And there was a tangibly, uh, the carbon dioxide was tangibly hotter. Now that is as basic as evidence in terms of what actually is happening right now. We are, the, the Earth's atmosphere acts as a protecting layer around the globe and it entraps and keeps in um, the, vital, the vital carbon dioxide, oxygen, all the atmospheric things that happen on Earth, they kept under this atmosphere, this thin layer that we're speaking about. So I know many years ago, there was conversations that we have burnt a hole through the Earth's layer. We burnt a hole through the Earth's layer. That's what was being said. And what that implies is that the carbon pressure, that the carbon that we're producing has impacted that protective layer around us. So on one end, you have the heat that's coming in from that, um, from that hole within the atmosphere. And then also you have the increasing number of carbon that's being produced. It heats the world up. Now, what happens then is that we see the we see now the, the the melting of the ice caps, which are raising ocean levels across the world, um, and then also it makes a very weird uh, a very weird atmospheric patterns. One of those weird atmospheric patterns is an increase in hurricanes, which we're seeing. We're seeing an increase in tornadoes, which is also what's happening, but also an increase in heat waves and how these heat waves happen. And this is actually kind of cool when I when I researched it. It turns out there's about four bands of jet stream air that circle around the Earth. So with the Earth, there's four jet stream bands, and they kind of move in a wave nature in different parts of the world. And they push wind, they push cooling wind from one part of the world to the other part of the world. But there are moments when those bands become either in a in a omega, which is a U-shape, or there's five strong waves next to each other that it becomes out of whack and they are un unable to push air out. So think about a hose that is wrapped around the world. And if you have a hose that is folded in many different places, then it won't be able to push some air out. And that's what we have that's what happened this time around. That's why we're able to see 
uh, heat waves that happened in different parts of the world, but at the same time. And that is indicative, again, of us, of uh, this unregulated, ups- lopsided effect that we've been having on, on uh, the world's climate. I appreciate you ending that very informative, um, like, just breakdown with the impact that we're having. Because I, as I started to approach this question, my first thing was, let me be able to check the research and understand how much evidence is there that humans are causing and exacerbating the heating of the planet. It's a lot, okay? That is, that is true. That is the case, right? The second thing that I wanted to check into was, all right, is the heat waves that we're experiencing, are they directly related to global warming? Or are they, is it just um, a weather pattern, right, that's temporary, it's just going to come and go? And the research that I did also was able to establish that because of global warming that we're actively contributing to, uh, it is increasing the baseline temperature, which makes it more likely that we'll continue to experience heat waves that are more extreme and more frequent, right? So at the heart of it, I wanted to be like, can I say for show, can I know and then get on the show and say, right, like, we are causing global warming and global warming is causing this, these heat waves that we're experiencing? And the answer is for show, yes, right? And so once I kind of had that in mind, I was like, let me see what Fox and them talking about, because what is their, you know, take? What is their response to this? Right. Are they and I put it on YouTube. And now if you look up critical race theory or if you look up um, gun control and Fox News on YouTube, you're going to get a whole bunch of results. Right. I looked up heat waves Fox on YouTube. I got one result. Right. Uh, And the video was hard for me to watch having done all the research that I did. Um, but it was mostly saying that the, that because people feeling hotter, it was crazy. Like I encourage y'all to go watch it. It was saying that just because it's hot outside and people feel hot, that it's just a feeling and not a fact. Right. (laughs) For real, for real. That was their approach. They were saying, people are saying they're feeling hot, but that's just a feeling and not a fact. Right. Ignoring the fact that we can measure temperatures, ignoring the fact that we can look at what global records have been set in different countries and how they continue to those records are toppled by what we're currently experiencing. So it was it was crazy to me to see that that approach. But it was also why, as I got to the show, I wanted to be like, let me answer and say those questions directly or those answers directly, because that's the level of conversation that's being had. And it's scary. It's quite that's. Also toxic. If if you come up, you'd be like, yo, it's hot. It's like, nah, that's just a feeling. That's gaslighting. That's gaslighting. <laughs> I like what you did. Quite literally. Gaslight, hot is gases, greenhouse. My God. Oh, come I'm on. Gross. We're professionals. We're professionals with this. This is too easy. This is too easy. But one of the things that people are the opposite end of climate change. And it is important to be able to appreciate the full scope of the, the argument is that there have been companies that are paying scientists in order for them to um, only push the narrative of climate change and then also discredit some of the other solutions which um, are also impact which are also um, we could utilize but they're ignoring it things such as adopting nuclear power um, things such as having a uh, you know having taken an earlier drop down, carbon production scaling where we allow developing countries to utilize carbon and then only apply these um, carbon certificates to uh, developed countries. So I think there there was a bit of a, there was some nefarious sponsorship and funding for the scientists that were being used in order to be able to qualify it. But that doesn't take away the fact that it's actually tangibly happening. That increase, that baseline increase that you're speaking of is a baseline increase of 1.1 million, uh, 1.1 Celsius, right? Uh, 1.1 Celsius, the earth is now hotter, 1.1 Celsius more. And in terms of what that means for the, you know, what that means for how the earth operates and rotates and crops and weathers, that's, that's a significant amount. And if our producer could kindly find, there's a video where they actually have, um, they, they, it's a graph that shows how hot it's been and it kind of, 
spins around. It's really cool visual just to be able to see how hot the world has been has becoming over some time. And this particular moment that we're in now, we're really moving quite quickly, right? We're accelerating significantly in terms of how we're impacting the change of the weather. And that's not just in uh, climate change is not just in carbon dioxide. This also refers to uh, pollution of the oceans. This also refers to, um, you know, even the pollutions of our own body. I think that microplastics in our body is also a direct correlation to climate change to a certain extent, because if it impacts our brain and our thinking capacity, then definitely it's going to impact how we react and feel about uh, the climate. Yo, shout out to our producer pulling up the graphic, you know what I'm saying? Getting us... Shout out. Uh, yeah, man, giving us this nice visual. So I appreciate you bringing in um, some of the players, right? Some of the folks, especially in terms of research uh, and in terms of policy that are involved. People in power generally across the world don't have the greatest track record in reacting to climate change. Um, even in some of the current crises that we're seeing uh, in India, right, we're seeing the government struggle to respond with infrastructure that just isn't ready to, to deal with these levels of heat. Um, and it affects the poorest people the most, right? You're especially vulnerable if you're housing insecure, right? You're especially vulnerable if you don't have um, the right type of ventilation in your home or your living situation. Millions of people don't have access to air conditioning over there in India, right? That's a struggle. Um, in Mexico, they're experiencing uh, extreme levels of drought, which is making uh, huge issues for crops in combination with some of the cartel activity that's going on, which we'll get to in our next segment. Don't y'all touch that dial. But um, in Monterey, Mexico, right, there's 5 million people relying on public water tanks because the water reservoirs have dried up. Um, a couple years ago, the Colorado River dried up like was no longer reaching the Gulf of Mexico, limiting water access for millions of people in that area. And mm -hmm. in 2021, it had to be manually reconnected back to the sea, right? That's the type of things that this one degree change can affect, right? Literally li rivers drying up, right? The access for millions of people to be able to get water. So um, governments have a huge responsibility to to react to this and to respond to this in a big way. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the UK based on um, the, all the fires that they experience and they're having declared a state of emergency. Uh, but we're seeing countries big and small, developed and developing, having to deal with this. What confuses this whole thing, bro, honestly, is the fact that it's really hard to understand what we can do from an individual level towards the solution, especially when you realize such things that uh, being able to uh, sort plastic out or, you know, doing um, garbage separation for recycling also is not the most efficient way of being able to separate garbage because in the when you throw plastics all in the same plastic box, what ends up happening is that they don't make a distinction between the type of plastics that they have in there and now are taking in a whole a whole host of different types of plastics. When in fact, when it is being generalized and they're able to split it either by um, maybe it's a bottle type or maybe it's um, color type or whatever the case is, then the destruction process of it um, is a lot more clean. So there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion around um, what we can do as individuals. The fact is, the fact is, one big corporations are to blame mostly for this. That's a fact. Big corporations are, are the main are the main culprits of this. This comes from a carbon producing perspective all the way down to the ocean pollution perspective. Humans only contribute three percent of the total uh, garbage that's in the ocean. Three percent is is what humans contribute. The rest of the ninety seven percent is all corporate. Um, is, is all corporate output. Same thing with the carbon dioxide. All the cars in the world aren't what's burning a hole through this ap the atmosphere. That's that's not particularly true, right? The overwhelming part, the overwhelming percentage comes from mass industrialization. This is in China. This is in India. This was in the U.S. Um, that's what's contributed towards it. So, regardless of you know our best intentions, and I think it's good mindset to be in to want to recycle and to want to be conscious. But unless we are truly challenging the big companies that are actually doing this, then, you know, bro, forget that plastic, forget that paper straw. I don't like, I don't like that paper straw with my mocha. I don't like that. Nah. <laughs> paper straws ain't it. 
paper straws and uh, plant-based cheese are two like they were nice ideas, but we're not there yet. I <laughs> so I'll fill you on that, and I also I also appreciate you bringing us the big facts on that too, because that means that I don't have to buy a Tesla, right? Because I can't afford no Tesla. So the fact that for what I am going to do is get hooked up with footprint positive, make sure that for my whip, that my emissions is offset. Huh? Huh? Yes. A call back. Make sure y'all up on footprint positive. We ain't, we ain't dropping none of this. Uh, but though I don't have to buy a Tesla, though it's important to contextualize um, the, uh, the effect that people have versus the effect that corporations have on climate change. Um, I appreciate you bringing us the action steps, right? That's why it's important to consider larger policy-based solutions to approach this global harm from a structural level. So social protections, like what I was just illustrating when I was talking about countries all over the world having to deal with this and vulnerable populations being those that are most impoverished. One thing that we could do to, to adapt and to, to navigate our current reality, because we've been passing these deadlines, right? <laughs> these deadlines to, to change our emissions in order to mitigate climate change, we're passing the deadlines. So now we have to think about what are ways that we can address the climate that we're gonna have to live in. One of those ways is to have more spaces with air conditioning um, and misters and fans in public spaces. Again, people who are housing insecure or experiencing homelessness have a real, like it's a real threat to them. So spaces where they can cool down just to make sure that we don't have people dying of heat exhaustion on the street. It's another time to have a conversation about health insurance coverage, right? In the US, what does it mean that people are have this high risk of heat stroke, heat exhaustion, but not everybody has insurance and isn't covered, right? You can't just be taken to the hospital and receive treatment for that and it's all good. Um, there are early warning systems we can start to think about putting in place when we have these heat waves coming, letting people know that, hey, you might wanna in the most extreme cases, water down your roof, hose down your roof so that it doesn't catch on fire, right? So that you are aware that it's gonna be not just hot, like, oh, good day for the beach, but hot, like, make sure that you're good health-wise. Uh, health and then that's a few things that I wanted to mention intentionally before getting to, like, addressing actually decreasing greenhouse gases, right? Um, again, Footprint Positive is a, uh, is a collective that essentially offsets allows you to offset your car's emissions by planting trees, which not only decrease the ozone, um, the greenhouse gases and the ozone layer, but also decrease temperatures in the area if you plant a big tree, like 20 to 25 degrees, right? So planting trees is a huge one, um, addressing methane emissions levels, nitrous oxide emissions levels, and knowing which politicians local and on a big scale are where they are on all of these policies and all of these issues and ideas. So I guess that's my way of telling you, you got to vote on this one too. To my South African listeners, um, so you heard, you're going to need air conditioning. That's electricity. The country's running out of electricity. Or you might need to hose down your roof. That's water. The country's also running out of water. To which I ask, what you going to do there? What you going to do? And that is exactly why we do the show, man, so that people can be forethinking about the things that are happening around them, be informed and be able to take action on it. You heard it from my brother um, speaking about um, speaking about getting hot, speaking about, I don't even know how to be smart about it. We're about to talk about drugs, y'all. Let's get in it. <laughs> Possibly the most fun research that I've had to do in a long time. Um, and also, unsurprisingly, the least impactful to my algorithms. Drugs, y'all. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> the war. <laughs> Yo, um, you know, I, man, we have so much fun putting this show together. We sit down and we really look at all the things that are happening in the world and we try and find things that are super relevant, exciting. And this is one of those topics, again, uh, although we laugh about it, uh, it's actually it's actually quite serious, y'all. Um, this is this is quite serious because uh, right now we're in a new age of drugs. We're in a very new age of drugs. We've come from 
we've, we spoke about what, like, this post-COVID society, but before even COVID started hitting, there was a percolating drug issue that was, uh, that was taking over the U.S. You know, these kids were falling out of their seats off of uh, tainted drug substances. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, the, you know... <laughs> You said out of their seats, and I just immediately pictured a classroom, like, like it's just falling out in math class, like, ugh, the drugs got me. But it's not that far from the truth. It's not that far from what's happening, right? And the fact is that um, children are getting younger. The children that are using drugs are getting younger, and the number of deaths that are happening from drugs are increasing at a significant rate. Um, it is happening almost across the world. One of the craziest things... I found about this is that drug production is hitting record numbers these last two years. Cocaine, cannabis, meth, uh, fentanyl, heroin, you name it. I think they might have been bringing back quaaludes, bro. It's wild out here. <laughs> bringing back quaaludes is hilarious. So the plugs... Put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> Bring back quaaludes? Uh, yes. <laughs> Make quaaludes great again. <laughs> all the way live merch coming soon for sure <laughs> but yeah man um so yeah, i appreciate that that illustrious introduction that you just that you just gave us um because it is a topic that again i like you, as you mentioned earlier in the show we find these interesting angles to take on topics and now post pandemic um in the midst of the opioid crisis and in this space where drug production is ramping up and drug producers are increasingly uh, powerful and influential. It just seemed like a good time to take a look at the landscape. Um, and there's a saying, right? You gotta know when to hold them and you gotta know when to fold them. Uh, and I think the cherry on top that made us, that brought this to our attention this week was the UK uh, and their increasingly um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not punishing. It's a uh, dang. What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Scrutinize. No, no. It's like when you when you um when you you're trying to like discipline over over penalized over penalized. I guess they're increasing the penalties for drug possession. Um, at a time where if we don't know anything else about the war on drugs, we know that we're losing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so the double down on these these penalties seemed a little bit backwards, and I think, like I said, was a catalyst for us to really look at what's going on across the landscape. Um, there's been an increase in drug use, at least in the United States, over the pandemic: alcohol, marijuana, and opioids. Um, but there's also been the legalization of cannabis, which has led to increased cannabis use um, across not only the states where it's legal, but across the United States. Uh, and so as you dove into this, as you thought about your own past relationship um, with any of these substances, right? Alcohol, caffeine, nicotine, cannabis, what did you uncover? And, and again, I'm asking you, how, how did it make you feel? How does it make me feel when I take drugs? <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what you were saying, right? You said that this week's research was fun, that it didn't require... <laughs> A lot of reading. I thought that's what you was gonna give us. No, no, I did not take drugs to prepare for this show. No, at least none of the ones that are on this table. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> at least definitely not the ones pictured. I'll tell you that much. Um, the the two the two things that I learned to that fentanyl is dominating the market. Two white people love cocaine. Uh, those two things <laughs> are, are really really underpinning this whole thing, man. It's, it's because a lot of drugs are flowing into Western countries. A lot of the drugs are going into Europe. A lot of the drugs are going into the U.S. What's particularly interesting, though, is that um, there is a boom in synthetic drugs. So you might say to yourself, cocaine's always been synthetic. Sure, but cocaine is derived from coca leaf, right? So plant-based for my, for my vegan addicts. <laughs> and, and quite funny, funny enough, that's what they kept on referring to plant-based drugs which is cocaine uh heroin uh cocaine um heroin which comes from the poppy plants and comes from afghanistan um cannabis those 
good drugs. The good, not good drugs, but they plant-based drugs. Um, and what's happening now is that there's synthetic drugs that are coming in where they are taking these pseudo-products to be able to make these new products, which is why fentanyl is particularly booming, which is 10,000 times more deadly. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. Um, and rest in peace to a lot of the other people that have also passed away. Rest in peace to... Um, uh, to Michael, Michael, M Michael White. I'm forgetting my dude's name. Mm -hmm. Um, recipe seven two, right? Where fentanyl was found. So there is an increase in how potent these drugs are. And the reason why fentanyl is blowing up is because it is a cheap substitute for those highs. So instead of the process of cocaine, where you have to chop it, you have to um, chop it, cook it. Like Cat Williams said, I don't know the ingredients to it. However, you have to do something to it for it to come out. Um, and now you need a fraction of that in order to be able to make drugs utilizing substitutes such as fentanyl. And because all of these things are now being made in factories, um, what you end up seeing is that in, for, in, in drugs such as your molly, in drugs such as your benzos, a lot of the benzos, are really the ones that are also booming up. Same thing with Xanax. Xanax is one of the most popular ones. All of these drugs now have traces of what they've referred to as Frankenstein drugs, right? So it's not just, you might have a Xanax pill and it's stamped like it and looks like it, but it, have been, it might be made in a factory where fentanyl is being made. And now that's being added in. And if your drug dealer is getting the raw powder form of these things and is packaging it themselves, who's to say that he's putting in a bit of Xanax and then a bunch more fentanyl in it? Um, and that's what I've found, man, and, and it really makes for a very scary reality. Yeah, it sounds to me like what you're saying is that it's becoming less safe. Uh, not that doing drugs was ever the safest thing in the world, but becoming less safe for the average user. Um, and if we're approaching this issue and not everyone does, as a public health issue, um, as an issue where people who are addicted to drugs need medical services rather than to be criminalized, then I think it really makes us take a look at who benefits and who loses in this drug game. Um, I think that's always been core to this conversation, right? My mind can't help but stray back to the U.S. relationship uh, bringing in drugs and, and ushering in the crack cocaine epidemic, right, through the government um, and through black communities. Uh, there's, there's winners and, and losers in this. Um, and so I think there's a really interesting conversation to get into uh, in terms of the cartels. But I also think from a safety perspective, um, it's really interesting to start thinking about what, what does it mean to create an environment where those who are users of drugs can be safe and can be, and, and because we've, we've seen that criminalizing them does not work. It's too expensive. It ruins lives. It ruins families. And it doesn't, it doesn't decrease the number of people using drugs. Uh, so in a bit, I think I'm interested to hear what we can do and what are the, some of the solutions you found that seem promising. There's, you know, for, for my younger audience, and this is where it becomes quite particular, right, is because part of the growing up experience is experimenting. And although I'm not um, advocating for it, I am saying I'm appreciating that it's the reality of, of coming up is that you, you want to find yourself, you experiment with different things and different drugs. And there was a time where that was almost um, that was almost allowed for there was a bit more leniency, especially within colleges to be able to be like, oh, the kid's taking drugs. You know, granted, a lot of addiction comes up from there. There still was some room in terms of um, how, how much leeway they give you. But because these things are becoming increasingly more dangerous, it, it is quite terrifying. And I think that's what the main point of what we wanted to do with this show now is to be like, it's not, taking drugs these days is not the same. So one thing that I would say is that in, in one of the more prescriptive um, forward-thinking things to do is that if you are taking, if you are going to be taking drugs, get a, get a drug test kit. And these days, festivals are actually so, um, so progressive is that they sell drug test kits there. And so you take the, whatever drug you have, you put it in the test kit and then it will break it down for you and say, it's got this much of this, this much of this, this much of this. Um, and then from there, you can make an informed decision on by yourself on whether you want to be able to take it or not. 
but the the days of just here's a pill let me ingest it is is something that personally scares me i have younger brothers um that you know the young brothers in this world right you never know what type of circumstances they're going to get into whether by intention or by accident that's something that keep that really scary every time i hear these, these stories coming about so it's, it's it's crazy. One thing that's interesting, though, because you know we love numbers over here. Uh, let Let's see if we can if we can get some guesses. How much do you think the drug industry is worth? Uh, it definitely got to be on it. It for sure got to be on it. I know that. Uh, let me see how many digits I think the B got on it. I'm thinking it gotta have, gotta have three, gotta have a three digit. Nah, world, you got a T on it. Ooh. It's either a three-digit B or a T. I'm gonna throw six. Nah, I'm gonna go with 1.1 trillion dollars in the world global drug trade. Okay, so that is a very high estimate, but it's actually half of that. It's a, it's down near half of that, um, or third of that. It's 400 billion dollars a year, um, which is what we're seeing, and that's a significant jump up from the 80 billion dollars that it was not too many years ago, or the $40 billion industry it was when they captured um, Pablo Escobar back in his day. Um, for comparison, um, construction, right? Uh -huh. $80 billion industry a year. What? That's Just construction all over. They construction outside my house right now. I know there's got to be more than that. Across the world, $80 billion just... I think I think that was just U.S. I think that's just yeah. the U.S. numbers. It's just the $80 billion. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. <laughs> but I, I, bet, I bet you the man who's constructing outside is on drugs, too. So you go ahead, you tell me which one is more valuable. Connecting the dots. <laughs> we got <laughs> connecting the dots. Connecting the dots. Yeah, man, it's, it's quite a crazy time for that. Um, one of the things that is busting right now is fake medical drugs especially because drugs are so expensive in the u.s you're now seeing there be these um these these drugs that people need for for their health and they're buying it from these black market pharmacy producers um although that's something that like the silk road has as you know where that was where people went to for the silk road and it's got a cause behind it that is sick and drugs are expensive it's also equally as dangerous um but it does look like very soon synthetic drugs will be the dominating drugs within this market uh, led by fentanyl. And that's around the world. China, South Africa, uh, India, no matter where you're looking, fentanyl right now is um, is, is Drake, bro. It's making hits everywhere. Not, not fentanyl. as world-famous pop artist Drake. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy though. I'm, I appreciate some of the some of the realness you brought to the conversation in terms of the realities that young people are going to experiment, um, and the safety precautions that you can take in terms of test kits uh, on the prevention side. Don't hurt to get you some Norcan as well, right? It's a um, medical. It's a medicine essentially that you can administer to somebody who's experiencing an overdose, and it's supposed to help them get through that. Uh, they're keeping that on hand at a lot of festivals, at a lot of places where, you know, raves where people might be doing drugs. Um, but it don't ever hurt to keep that on your person, especially if you is around some of your peoples that might need a little bit of assistance. Um, always have a trip sitter. I'm trying to be real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Always have somebody that's looking out, have a designated driver. Um, it really struck me. And like, as I was going through this, right, just trying to get the facts, right, levels of addiction, levels of drug use that a lot of times, one, alcohol isn't on these lists. A lot of times nicotine ain't on these lists. A lot of times, uh, sugar. Is, yeah, right. And so thinking about just thinking about it in a real way, man, that's uh, that's kind of my bottom line is that with this conversation and both the climate change conversation from a social standpoint and a political standpoint we're not having these conversations at the level of day-to-day -day reality that we need to be having them at so of course like you can get up there and say don't do drugs all you want but we that's proven not to be effective and i just appreciate you for taking this conversation to a real level i appreciate y'all out there for listening to this conversation on a real level we didn't get to tell you about the cartels moving limes and avocados on top of everything else green that they might be moving 
But that's a, that's a story for another time. Check that out. That's a little tidbit for y'all, man. Some all the way live homework. Check that out. And we're all addicts to our phones. We're all addicts to our phones. Can't stress that enough. Miles, I think it's time we give the people what they want. Yeah, I just gave them some homework. What we're about to get into is the opposite of homework. Hip-hop. After the mixtape that we listened to for this this show, um, for this installation of Recommended and Review, I have to say that I now uh, officially identify as a mud baby. Um, quite, you know, great, great show planning on our side for sure. To talk about drug addiction and then come in to praise Rich Off Pines 3, <laughs> drug music for you hip-hop listener and uh, actually man i couldn't be more happy to come in today to talk about this this there's been so many albums that dropped we had um we had the new joey badass drop uh we had um a whole bunch of music that dropped uh mozzie the new mozzie dropped too um and i think we'll definitely get into that uh next week but in making the decision of who we wanted to cover this week uh we it was simple we said what has been our favorite listen so far and it was Rich Off Pines 3 by Ice, where Vezo, this is the trilogy in his Rich Off Pines series. Um, Rich Off Pines, uh, the, the acclaimed Rich Off Pines 2, which came out last year, heavily featuring fe- uh, Future, heavily featuring Future. And I'm, I'm done, I'm done with y'all. Um, heavily featuring Future, uh, 2021 is when the first Rich Off Pines came out. Then we had Rich Off Pines 2 come out the same year. Uh, Rich Off Pines 3 comes out two years after that, after the highly successful Rich Off Pines 2. One of our favorite albums that we had. Uh, what did you think, bro? Uh, this slap, right? Like, it's as simple as that. This this for show slaps. Um, but I like, I like how he was bringing us in, going back to the whole, like, the mixtape thing and, the, and this being the third installation. Uh, it's hard to do this, right? It's hard to, to top a really good mixtape um i'm thinking of the dirty sprite series dirty sprite 2 is the one right uh i think of the drought series by lil wayne drought 3 is the one right the dream chaser series by meek mill right uh dream chasers 2 is the one for you to have a mixtape series that's really like that's your part of your brand and to have not there be not just the one because Rich Off Pines 2, I thought, was the one. So to hear Rich Off Pines 3, for him to follow it up with something so solid, I was like, this really, there's a consistency there that's rare. Uh, so that got me excited to have a conversation about Ice Web as well. And the other part that got me excited to have this conversation was, as I was telling y'all um, off the off mic, there's a, sometimes it's really easy to tell y'all why I really love a Lupe project or to tell y'all why um, somebody who's more emotional and lyrical like Boogie has given me something that I think has value and content that I can really chew on. But sometimes when it's just music that is for the streets and slaps, um, is on very familiar production and has very familiar content, sometimes it's actually harder to explain why I like this so much over some of the other very, much more similar, much very similar music that doesn't get as much shine. Zway, what is it about Icewear Bezo that stands out? And what, if you had to put into like one statement, which you appreciate about this project, what would it be? It's hard. It's really, really hard. What, what about it is hard, good sir? <laughs> Say more. It, it, I, like, I like what you said on the point of, you know, what, it's being very difficult to describe what you like about an artist. And this is where we become hypocrites as, as um, enjoyers and commenta- commentators of hip hop um, and connoisseurs of it, is that there's some artists we go, man, this person is doing too much of the same thing and they need to change it up, it's getting boring. Which is what our, which was what our producer said about the show. He's like, about this album, he's like, nah, man, it's like, it, it sounds, every song sounds too much of the same. But 
off of Richard Pines too, that's what I loved about that album is because it was so consistent. Um, and I think in this particular album, he was able to bring in a, a bit of a variation into the sound, specifically from uh, the the little baby feature and him, you know, off the beat, you know that, okay, this is about to be a baby track because of this baby type beat and he's jumping into it. Um, and I would think that would be the more commercial arm that he's going, the, the more commercial sound he's going for, but still keeps it good. You know, this album doesn't, doesn't descend into into sugar water it, it never does it remains um very true to the type of beats and sound and style that mm -hmm. detroit is known for right now that's popping in detroit that i swear vezo is this is uh is known for so even off of the features you know it's it's the usual suspects of the folks who who are within the same space of super hard rappers g herbo baby key glock uh, Baby Money, Lil Durk, and even Ants Beats, who we've seen shine through a few different um, a few different albums. Also having one of my favorite songs on Ice Wave Vesso's last album. So it, it really is music for, it, it's that hard street hip-hop bass music is what it is. Yes, sir. Definitely bumps in the whip. Uh, and it's one of those where, to me, from track one, two, three, what impressed me a lot about this project was that my man is in mode. Like my man is, if you play sports or you, or whatever your thing is, right? Whether you paint or whether you dance or whatever it is, right? You get in your mode and you just, everything you do is, is exactly what it needs to be. Right. And to carry that from through two projects is an impressive thing for a musical artist to do where Every line doesn't seem like it's overthought. It seems like it's effortless, but it's exactly what the line that needs to be there to get you from one bar to the next bar and enjoying two whole minutes of a song that is set, that has the same message as the song before it, right? Every statement is, is delivered with the appropriate amount of nonchalance, with the appropriate amount of swagger and, and braggadocio. It's, it's, it's effortless. And I don't think you as, I don't think you can, put yourself in this mode as an artist all you can do is ride the wave and capitalize on it and his from his the way that he's picked beats to the way that he's delivered bars to even the way that he's put together hooks which is something a lot of street artists really struggle with um he's really proven that he knows how to maximize this moment and hats off to him for that um i'm gonna keep riding around listening to this for a good minute f block is one of my favorite intros that i've heard in a long time uh, I liked whatever with Key Glock. Uh, like you said, as soon as the Know the Difference came on, I knew I knew we was going to hear Baby. I knew for sure. And to go toe to toe with the guy who's at the forefront of the mainstream um, in your kind of in your lane of music, I think is fire for I swear to have been able to do Chicago representation. I love the Dirk feature. G Herbo sounded a little bit higher pitched than he typically does. It wasn't that it seemed like he had a different engineer on the boards, but those are some of my highlights, man. For what it is, I'm I'm down to give this. I almost want to see what we gave Ice uh, Rich Off Pints too, and give it the exact same score. But it's feeling like a four out of five to me. For sure, man. Um, and thank you for highlighting. I love talking hip hop. It's you know to you, man, because you really did emphasize uh, the the skill that comes with being nonchalant, but picking the right beats, the right hooks, and this album does that seamlessly, man. Up the skull. I think is a great um, a great representation of that. The six is a great track. It's on the flow is one of my favorites. Great to hear Key Glock as always. Know the difference is dumb hard. F Block is a great introduction to it. Um, as always, we like to check out with our fellow hip hop uh, connoisseur, our our producer. What's our producer saying with this score? But I agree with you, Miles. It's a four out of five for me. I'd love to see what our producer feels about this. We got to get a drum roll in this. And then next time we're getting a drum roll. Yeah, we got to get some samples going for sure. It's definitely some audio samples coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Big foe. Big foe out of five energy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. This is this y'all. This y'all. This is what y'all want from us. This is what y'all clearly want from us. This is what you keep coming back for. And we keep doing it because we know. Yeah, we know, man. We're blessed. So we bless y'all. Uh, it's a, it's incredible to be a part of this exchange. Um, we know that you have a choice 
and and what podcast you listen to. And we know that there are too many podcasts, so we appreciate y'all rocking right here with us. This is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of life. This is a celebration of how good it feels to do drugs. Don't it feel good this way? Almost as good as it feels being black, which I know more about. <laughs> big facts, big facts. We hope you do your drugs safely. Uh, we hope you are going to eat something delicious and hug somebody you love after this. Um, the world is burning, but we're going to keep on <laughs> sitting in the fire with you. We're going to keep on turning. We're going to keep on sitting in the fire with you. You are not alone, but we got to go. Like that. Peace. Water. We go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we